The Everything Else is powered by Abstracta and Learning. Hello, hello! Thank you for joining us, wonderful people, live from our humble studios. This is The Everything Else. I'm Mad, and I'm here with my co-host, partner in crime, Veda. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Fine, you? I'm good. Are you ready for this great show that we have planned? Yeah. Okay, I have to say I'm a little anxious about this episode. Makes me a little bit icky. Mm -hmm. Because today we are no longer tiptoeing around the issue. We're finally closing in on it. Yes. We're discussing the big V. <gasps> Vulnerability, just in case. <laughs> it could be a lot of things. <laughs> many, many big Vs. Many big Vs. All right, so vulnerability is a word that's been thrown around all the time, right? You know what I'm talking about? We know we have to go into that direction. We've seen the TED Talks, we've listened to the podcast and the HBR review article thing. But just like with every other very profound mental health issue, this takes time and thinking and intrinsic motivation and, I dare say, freaking courage, right? To turn things around and actually do the work. Yes. Do the work. Mm. I'm going to share something we talk a lot about regarding these issues. Mm -hmm. Because in particular with mental health, yeah. I have mixed feelings when it comes to mental health. All this talk, mental okay. health at work. Ah, okay. With the talk around mental health. Yes, of right. course, with the talk around mental health. That's now mainstream, right? It's Absolutely. Mainstream. So? Because on the one hand, I celebrate it and it's like, yay, finally, we're talking the same language. Yes, this matters. Mm -hmm. Our emotional states Reaching a sense of well-being with yourself changes everything. Yes, you know that. And at the same page, mm -hmm. and at the same time, mm, I hear some conversations that get my bubble burst. Yeah. I know what and you're talking about. All this conversation about mental health as a new narrative, a new fucking shitstorm. <laughs> yes, I said it. Well, but it's the same, right? We've seen this happening with really powerful issues like freedom, happiness, authenticity, feminism. We talked about this. Mm -hmm. Pride, right? It's like mental health washing now. Mm -hmm. Offer a yoga class and make people believe that we're doing something about their anxiety and burnout. <laughs> go, go solve burnout with a couple of women. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I don't want to get anarchic, but it's it's the system sucking all the meaning out of the cause and then spitting it out again in the form of mandates and like mental health yoga reels and essential oils, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's our capitalist washing machine yeah. that has converted them into one more item of consumption yeah. and not aspirations that we need to work towards. Yeah. So they, they, they take us right in the opposite <laughs> direction, actually. <laughs> Or at least more of the same thing that we're trying to get away from. Yeah. So you have issues for this. Yes. So political rants aside, um, we know that we're working towards something, you said, right? And we want to better understand what it means so that it's not just a word, right? Hashtag. Hashtag, yeah. <laughs> hashtag vulnerability. Hashtag mental health, right? But it feels like we need to scratch the surface a bit more when yes. we're actually talking about this. So what does mentally healthy look like anyway? Okay, so for so many years, yes, it was like, I've been waiting for this <laughs> question all the seasons. So right. for many years, health in general was defined as the absence of illness. Okay. But we know that between illness and wellness, there are more than 50 shades of gray. Mm. There are many. <laughs> what does it look like, though? What, what does that gray look like? What are the indications or the indicators that let me know when somebody is mentally healthy? Well, 
so tough to define mental health in one way because as I we were saying shades there are many combinations Man. which definition then oh. it's it's your school of thought right Vedavavat's interpretation of mental health go for it okay I'll go for it so take one okay take one <laughs> take one <laughs> <laughs> to me the presence of an expression of eros is what lets me know that a person is experiencing some high levels of mental health mm-hmm. it's the presence of this life drive life drive eros eros <laughs> it sounds exciting um i'm sure that was really clarifying for listeners <laughs> <laughs> no can you tell us more about life drive okay so eros in psychology eros does not refer to sex drive ah, exclusively okay. no, not exclusively <clears throat> not exclusively okay It refers to our life force in general, the will to live. Mm-hmm. This is present in all expressions towards life protection, you know, survival and other creative life producing drives. It's a drive that and it's not an instinct. Okay. A drive is not an instinct because it can take many, 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 many forms. It okay. varies from one person to the other. Mm-hmm. But I think mental health could be seen as when eros prevails, when right. this push towards life towards protection life. protecting like when the drive pulls towards construction life in life in an ample sense of construction yes. right and that doesn't happen easily because well i said prevails yeah. when eros prevails because it is more present okay this gets complex because eros is not the only force that we have yeah we all have internal forces struggling in us thanatos Mm-hmm. is the death drive mm-hmm. and it is often expressed in a myriad of ways in the line of aggression repetition compulsion and self-destructiveness mm-hmm. and this is why our feelings are marbled okay because they're both present exactly all the and we are ambivalent mm-hmm. and ambivalence is inherent to us as humans okay so even in ambivalence when we overall we are in alliance with eros we are in the realm of mental health mm-hmm. and this takes many forms of expressions okay not one not one. many okay so to escape the mental health talk as a should storm yeah. that as the should storm it has become apparently yeah. we need to embrace curiosity to see how these drives express and play out in each person the singularity yeah the struggle because right. it's individual the struggles because what we see is always the tip of the iceberg hmm. yeah so somebody can see at work or on social media um you, you see them and they can look all right they can carry out self preserving behaviors like drinking soy lattes and doing yoga and <laughs> i do yoga and pilates and pilates and I, i'm i'm great um or looking really healthy on the outside or whatever but the death drive can be really prevalent in a person's feelings and ideas for exactly. example and you might not even know you might not even know. like in self-loathing or aggressive self-talk exactly. or okay so mental health is sneaky because it goes way beyond what the eye can see yeah I can see you looking. <laughs> What's going on? Well, can I can I attempt another try? A definition, of course. It's your podcast. We're constructing thought here. This is a life drive. This is a Thanks. life drive podcast. So, Do whatever you want. So, I can see mental health in how the person balances the three tenses. The three tenses. <laughs> Went cryptic like teachery. <laughs> can you expand? Okay, so we see mental health in how we can integrate our past, oh, okay. our present, and our future. Mm-hmm. How we build our story, how we see the continuity in our own lives. Okay. You know, we are these unique beings and feeling these 
full integrated selves is so much easier said than done. Yeah. Some people feel that they are more like Frankensteins, let's say, full of stitches, parts of their lives put together like loose pages of a book or luckily having clear chapters, but with blanks between one from the other. Okay, like we're not looking at different angles of the same person stitched together, but more like different people stitched mm -hmm. together, woven together in an odd human-like shape. Right? Mm -hmm, exactly. Yeah, I, I have felt like that at some point. I, mean, I guess we all have, right? Yes. Yes, and this is very connected to the narrative, the story we tell ourselves, we always talk about. Yeah. And that is why mental health has a lot to do with this ongoing process of knowing thyself and working towards in integrating, integrating oneself. Yeah, again, not a checklist, but as an aspiration and a continuous work in progress, the and integration of oneself. Yes. I like that. And we do this in therapy, for example. Mm -hmm. but. Not only in therapy, in many other moments when we reflect upon our lives, when we know ourselves more, when we get moments of reflection, of contemplation to symbolize and give meaning to what it is that we experience. Hmm. And to do that, we integrate our past, present and future. You know, um, now that you said we do this in therapy, I, I, you once said to me, I think it wasn't in a podcast, we were talking about something and you once said, um, going to therapy is not really the same as doing therapy. Mm -hmm. You can do therapy and not go to therapy. Doing therapeutic <laughs> things. Yeah. So Many things can be therapeutic exactly. because they help us integrate, uh, integrate this. Exactly. Okay. So knowing and, and understanding our past, accepting, learning from our past allows us to live more fully in the here and now. Yeah. And from here, we can project ourselves to the future. Yeah. And let's Make face it, it, you don't do it. It's not you're living your life while you're doing this, right? It's yeah. not like you pause life yeah. and you go and uh, <laughs> a retreat, <laughs> do this and then go back. No, no, this no, is no. part of the process. So yeah. that's why it's so messy. And that's why me mental health professionals would say that you, it, this can be expressed in having projects or finding meaning, right? In what we do or even connecting to our transcendence, right? Exactly. Any of those can be... Uh, expressions of health okay. doing this in a balanced way also of not getting too hooked on the past mm. or to project it in the future yeah Th that is also challenging yeah. right piece of cake sure <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of work um so why should people work towards that because i think that a lot of people are like mm. You know, I, well, first of all, there's a big taboo on yeah. mental health issues. But big. let's if you're listening to this podcast, I don't think that you have a, a taboo on that. Right. I think but it, the taboo operates somehow. It That's operates. It's interesting. It operates. So why should people work towards that or foster spaces that encourage working towards that? Well, when we follow a healthy diet, go on medicine treatments with our physical health, yeah. we are used to doing this, yeah. right? Yes. We are. We have normalized this hygiene, mm. preventing, promoting, or even having treatments to live a better life, yeah. a good life, a healthy life. Yeah. And we know what happens if we don't, yeah. right? We die sooner. We die. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> but what we do we don't see it like that with emotional life, with no. mental health, mm. because with mental health, it should be the same, right? Yeah. We need to prevent, to promote. Mm -hmm. It's the same as in physical health, putting in the work is um, it's a better deal putting in the work before yeah. preventing then, than, than, than getting sick and treating it. Yeah. But treatment is possible if we need it and we need to adhere to it. 
for it to work. It's yeah. not just going once. You need to put in the courage and yeah. you need to put it in. But yeah, talking, taking uh, health issues seriously is important and health issues in general is yeah. important to live a better life, a good life, a healthy life. And if I don't... <laughs> well, having mental issues is no walk in the park. Mm -hmm. It implies living a life with suffering, lots of meh lives. Feeling dead even if you don't even if you don't die, you feel dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like on autopilot or life droning on, right? Like a life that seems like you're not really living it. Yes. And like health in general, taking care of it implies certain behaviors that bring other benefits. Yeah, like a virtuous circle, right? Like when you exercise, it's easier to stop smoking or you feel more inclined to eat healthier. In mental health, the same thing happens, yes. right? But it's hard and it takes work and it's not going to happen on its own. At some point, you have to take charge and start. At some point. At some point. Now, mental health is the umbrella for a lot of things. And today, I'd like to talk about one of the elements under the umbrella. Let's talk a bit about the role of vulnerability in all of this. I find this a, a really fascinating topic. And, and on of a course. personal note, this is something that I have some difficulty with. So I, I think it's really interesting. I know a lot of people have, have issues <laughs> with this. Yeah, so... If we talk vulnerability, we need to bring Dr. Brené Brown. Dr. Brené Brown. She has spent her whole life researching vulnerability and shame and courage. Brené, if you are there, we admire your work yeah. so much. You rock. So, Brené Brown, with all this thing of the power of vulnerability, one of the most watched TED Talks of all times. So yeah. Go and watch it if you haven't. On daring leadership, yeah. these terms that she uses, she identified a key element that can operate as a great key, actually, to start untangling all these mental health conundrum. Okay. She sees embracing vulnerability as a way to foster authenticity, mm -hmm. belongingness, or belonging. Yeah. I don't know. Belonging. And love in all relationships and bringing this to the work life, even, for example. Okay. So, it's hard, it's icky, and all that stuff. But the bigger, better offer, it's just that. Far bigger, far better. Mm -hmm. The emotional benefits affect how we relate to ourselves and to others. Okay, how? Well, with yourself, because as you explore situations where you cannot control, and you will encounter those because <laughs> you cannot control absolutely everything, <laughs> and you become in touch with the vulnerability you feel, yeah. you start developing and harnessing your own self-esteem. You start believing in the ability that you have to handle challenging situations and mm -hmm. that will be the building blocks for future difficulties where you will find future difficulties. future difficulties and you will be able to harness back on your history and what you have been able to do. Hmm. And with others, because there is no other way of feeling intimacy than opening up yourself. Mm. You know, yeah. like the other, you want intimacy, well, the other person, but you have to do your work. Yeah. And once this door is open, empathy, compassion and connection with others can happen. Mm. And it can happen. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it will happen because it will depend on the other person. But I can't, I can't state for certain that if you don't do it, it cannot happen. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think this is where it starts to get uncomfortable for some, right? Because it sounds good in theory, but the road to mental health and health in general implies being open to feeling a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, you, you talked about opening the door, right? Now, to be clear, it might come as a surprise to some, but we all feel 
Some of us allow ourselves to and have a fluent conversation with ourselves regarding feelings. And for others, it's a little harder to permit feelings, to actually allow ourselves to fully feel, right? Let alone share it with others. I mean... <laughs> it's good that you bring this because a huge part of the difficulty with this is how taboo some of these conversations have been. Yeah, some people feel some feelings just right, but others, they deem them as not okay to feel. Like when we talked about emotional literacy, we were talking about that, right? How it's not a negative or positive emotion. Some are more comfortable than others. That exactly. is true, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, because it's uncomfortable, you can end up doing anything to avoid them. Oh, and there are many things you can do to avoid them, right? <laughs> so some people have this sense of security that it's better installed than in others. Okay. And it allows them to feel whatever it is, go through it. they feel safe as valid. with those feelings. Yes. And those people exist. <laughs> But many find it hard mm. because being loved without conditions for who they are and feeling all that they come with as valid, well, that was not their experience. Yeah, and the, the radical acceptance that you hear about, that also sounds great on paper, but it's not among what you were taught a exactly. lot of times, right? A lot of times, mm. like, I would dare say most, yeah. most of the times. And that is why promoting mental health at work is not about having yoga once a week <laughs> on a digital platform. Sure, it could be a door for some people who have never explored it. I have nothing against those practices at all, mm. but to create an environment that is really enabling mentally healthy relationships, it has to do with being in touch with one's myriad of feelings and accepting of other people's yeah this is this this is really important too the myriad of other like the whole spe spectrum of feelings of others too exactly because oh yeah yours it's hard enough accepting them but then accepting other people's yeah. feelings it's more right yeah, yeah. There is no other way to living life and truly experiencing than making room for our humanness. Mm. And we were talking about the human experience in times of AI. Yeah. So that means that mentally healthy is not about the lack of conflict, the absence of pain, the happy life story devoid from suffering. Yeah, because it would be inhuman. And as such, it, it's unattainable. Utter well-being is inhuman. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the perfect lives all the time, though that it's what we want, right? But that doesn't exist. Being human is messy and, uh, and we have to come to terms with that. Yeah, but it's an important reminder to have, right? Mm. Because many things in our current society go around us selling this illusion that complete well-being is attainable and a permanent thing or quite permanent. And yeah. it is not. No, because life is not innocuous, as mm -hmm. you said. And being mentally healthy is to quote my friend Jean-Paul Sartre it's about what we do with what is done to us oh right? I, we, I think we quoted this already because <laughs> we, we it's one of our favorite of quotes but, it's, but it's so true it's that some people can do amazing things yeah and some people struggle for that most of their lives Yeah. Or both. Yeah. You know, sometimes they can make great things and sometimes they just struggle around. Yeah. And it's not just about what you can do, right? A lot of times it's it has to do with, with, with your life story. I mean, and the way 
that you were structured to do whatever it is that you did, right? Yeah, the, the cards you were dealt, you've been dealt with, right? Yeah. Where you come from, who your parents were, and what they could do with that, your life context and experiences. Someone once told me that when they talk to people, they always imagine their mom and dad standing behind them, right? So I talk to you, and behind you, your mom and dad, and sometimes the absence mm, of one or the other, right? And many other people, but yes. <laughs> but... But there's a lot of stuff that has to already do with, with yeah. those two. Yeah, or the absence lot. of one of those two, you already have more than a couple of years. They're of in the conversation, right? Sometimes, and you can feel that with some people. It's like you hear them talking. It's like, oh my god, that's the mom, right? <laughs> um, or the the whatever. I don't know. Um, but it's funny to picture. But it's kind of it's agonizingly real, right? Yes, and 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 here's where people need to connect to their life stories, understanding their past, accepting that. And sometimes accepting, really coming to terms with what it is, whatever it is, it takes time and you need to mourn what it was. Yeah. But again, it's also so simple. Like it's something off a checklist, you know? All right. Mourn the fact that my parents suck. Check. Accept <laughs> myself as I am. Check. Right? Like it's all, it's all in your head. But don't you get the feeling that it's like, dude, that's enough already. Why do I still have issues with this? It's like you see it, you recognize it. And then it, you know, it should be over by now. I, I sometimes get that feeling. But no, it's always the same issues, the same unmet needs that come up in therapy, in your relationships. And then, hello, they pop up at work too. <laughs> right? <laughs> You know, I believe here HR has a strategic role in companies. Uh -huh. HR as in human relationships. Ah, I thought you were like changing your <laughs> no, stance. No, HR on as in human relationships. human relationships. And they play a huge role in, at workplace, at yeah. the workplace also. Uh, not only in the workplace, of course, but cultivating my relationships with others, getting to know them, seeing the positive in them. Like seeing the beauty in their stories, their struggles, sometimes that is easier to do with other people than to definitely, yourself. Yes, definitely. But liking humans, rooting for humanity, and somehow that will come back to you because mm -hmm. they will give you better mirrors for you to look into your own stories. So. In times of AI, it's quite a stance, right? Rooting for humanity. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even at work, if you don't take the time to deal with humanity, yours and others, and work with it, then we'll end up spending a lot of the time managing the conflicts that arise from not dealing with our emotions and life stories. Yeah, like sweeping under the rug doesn't exactly, work. Exactly, because it doesn't really stay there. It's, there's like a huge mountain on there. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps showing up. We think it's covered, like in this Frankenstein you mentioned before. Like, oh, nobody knows about this, right? They can't see mm -hmm. through me. But newsflash, we can, right? So we might as well address it. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we all, by, by all, I mean all. all. Presidents, CEOs, that include celebrities, yeah, yeah. everybody, new sports people, mm. all idols, people that you think are not humans. Yes, they too. <laughs> Nobody has it all together. All right. We all need somebody who can be there for us and not judge us. A group of people where you can be yourself and be accepted even in those moments deep down you have trouble accepting yourself yeah bearing the unbearable you know mm. some people find this in their couples others in their families others in friends and although not always when you manage some level of this at work it is amazing yeah. you learn so much yeah you integrate yourself yes 
And when you feel more integrated, you are more in touch with that life drive. And for example, that unleashes creativity. Mm -hmm. So can we mention what it was like for us writing this last episode? Yes. The last episode, when we were writing it, I was feeling, among other things, quite sad. And this brought a more pessimistic view in my writing. Mm -hmm. And Mer, you saw that. <laughs> you saw me. You saw through me. And you complimented my views. And it was really good for our podcast. Yeah. But in the process, I felt very exposed. Yeah. I had to come to terms with the fact that I was... What, what I was feeling was visible for you and that that was okay. I was not being judged or lectured. I had no need to feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. And that for me was amazing, something I'm very grateful for. But it's something that's not only is beautiful to experience and it, it makes a, a huge thing in our friendship, but it has allowed me to speak out and do many things that I was not being able to do, like generating original content. The, the vulnerability. Or I would have done very pessimistic original <laughs> content that nobody would have listened to. <laughs> All right, but yeah, having somebody else seeing it and, and exposing it, yeah? Yes. Now, what you just described is vulnerability in yeah. action, right? And the power and the consequence you know is what usually comes after connection after vulnerability which is connection yes right because i saw it i i understood we talked about it like it um i cried a yeah, little bit as maybe, i usually do when maybe. i feel like that <laughs> and i may have cried in secret no so <laughs> <laughs> in my need to rationalize everything um i would like to define vulnerability for our possibly armored listeners now i said armored it's difficult to talk about vulnerability without bringing brene back into the picture right so but brene defines vulnerability as having three key elements uncertainty risk and emotional exposure well yeah what we were talking about exactly right? yes so being vulnerable is basically being honest and human <laughs> yeah And it can show up in different ways, right? Being honest about your feelings, like we said, admitting that you don't know or that you don't have the answers, right? It can also look like apologizing, showing up as yourself, mm -hmm. your full self, dreaming, trusting. Yeah, sounds nice, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's like you read about it and you're like, oh, that's everything that I want. So perhaps... Seems like it's exhausting. It doesn't sound like it sounds wonderful. No, like you can relax. Ah, like less exhausting. Yes. Ah, less ex yes. 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 Lighter. So much lighter. lighter. Um, perhaps for some it's easier to picture the opposite of vulnerable, which is, as Brene put it, armored. Armored as in helmet, metal bodysuit, and sometimes, depending on the occasion, shield and sword. Right? You talking to me? Talking to me? <laughs> armored as in you will not catch me off off guard and hurt me, motherfucker. <laughs> That's right. That's the attitude of yes. armor. And armor as as in a defense, right? Yeah. And let's face it, if you are defending, it's because you feel at risk. Yes. And here is one of the biggest myths of vulnerability, right? The idea that vulnerability is weak. Hmm. The conviction is that you need the armor. Yeah. Can I just invite our dear listeners who might be feeling this a bit too often um, to go to our episode on nonviolent communication? It's like Excellent. two episodes ago. Excellent. <laughs> so, the armor, let's be honest. It kind of limits you, right? Yeah, and today you were saying how it sounds light and the armor is like... Ugh. Yes. 
<laughs> so for those of you who need facts and research, Brunet studied something like 10,000 moments of true courage. And there was not one of those moments of true courage. We're talking about soldiers in the line of fire, firefighters, etc., right? Where there was not a single moment of courage that was not tied to a moment of vulnerability. Hmm. I mean, being vulnerable is brave. And um, you know what? Holding space for someone else to be truly uh, vulnerable is really hard and is also brave. But I was thinking, you know, in tech, vulnerability is a weakness. Vulnerability in cybersecurity is a weakness that can be exploited, right? Yeah. It's being ex exposed to the possibility of harm. So in tech, it's essential to get rid of vulnerabilities all the time, basically, right? The connotation is really heavy and negative. People in IT, are you listening to this? <laughs> Having the word associated with such a negative connotation is not helping. No, clearly not helping. <laughs> so I have my issues with the word. Uh, I, I think it's sometimes it would be better to talk about being open or uncovered or unguarded even. Like it's a choice. Yeah, it's a technicality, but okay. Not taking though. And it's a valid one because armors like software systems also have hinges through which They, you can be attacked. Yeah. So you mentioned today, we all have our life stories and to an extent we're conditioned by them. Our responses and default responses and reactions are based on them, right? And let's be real, it is effective sometimes. Yes. I know my armor has served me many times. They are defensive mechanisms. Yes. They defend us. They defend us. And they'll on continue. Some extent. Exactly. And they'll, they'll continue to serve me on some occasions. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. On some occasions. Yeah. Like... Any tool, right? One thing is when you know how to use it, you choose it to serve that purpose. Mm -hmm. The same armor could protect you in an open field. But if you need it to swim, yeah. the armor will not protect you. Mm -hmm. It will sink you. Mm -hmm. The problem is not the armor in itself. But when you go out to the world armored by default, you lose flexibility. Hmm. It's a strategy. Your mm -hmm. armor is a strategy to reach a goal. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Unfortunately, I see lots of people so used to thinking of the world as a hostile place, mm -hmm. especially in the world of work. Yeah. People used to the logic of war mm -hmm. that they put on their armors first thing in the morning in default yeah. mode to all meetings they will attend, right? Mm -hmm. And let's face it, in some workspaces, the armor is still needed, mm -hmm. right? But there are expectations and deadlines and things. But we're talking about vulnerability in spaces that want to change that narrative, where you feel you can connect and have more intimate and authentic relationships, right? In any and long-lasting, even. Long-lasting, yeah. And it's good to know that we can change these mechanisms and know that if we're looking for connection, our armor no longer serves us in those situations, right? I guess it might be good to identify the ways in which we're opting out of vulnerability. For example, striving for protect, uh, perfection, right? Not being able to admit that you don't know or that you make mistakes. There is a link, right, between perfection and vulnerability. Yes, there is this illusion that if I'm perfect enough, you won't even know I'm here. I won't take up space. Yeah. I'll keep these other parts of me that I don't want to show small. They won't be seen. Yeah, and it's sad when it's put like that, right? And yeah, when I put myself out there truly and unguarded, there is a risk. I don't know what will happen. Yeah, when we were talking about feelings or aspects, I feel shame. Mm. These are things people don't even say to themselves many times. Yes. So yes, forget about telling it to others. Yes. I mean, it generates the worst sort of fantasy. Yeah. Panic, basically. Yeah. 
So another way in which we avoid vulnerability is by numbing out, right? We, we were saying today, detaching from feelings when possible. There are times when I feel so much more comfortable in numbness than in the intensity of some of these uncomfortable mm -hmm. feelings we talked about. And you are not alone. In fact, there seems to be a tendency to numbing out, particularly post-COVID, yeah. which Stanford University's Jamil Saki described as the largest collective trauma that anyone alive has experienced. It's a lot. Just, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> Anxiety has passed and now there is numbness. And we have a lot of resources to yeah. numb out, right? Noise everywhere to get distracted. There's a lot of use of devices and social media and such for this, right? And of course, substances that can be used for this too, right? The and list goes kids, on. teenagers use yeah. this yeah. tools yeah. to do that. Yeah. So what are we running from? So... Beneath the discomfort that we are escaping are fears, fears of failing or struggling or looking bad, fears of not having purpose, void, mm. fears of being hurt or ashamed and not accepted, fear of not being loved if you are the hot mess that we that you are. That we are. <laughs> yeah, there's no room. There's no point in in trying to hide that, as we said. <laughs> I feel like feeling the myriad of emotions is sort of like a switch. Some people can turn it off or at least cover the switch in as much armor as possible. And at some point, it becomes difficult to actually find the switch back again. Yeah. You know, like if you leave it off, it, it just, just stays, stays off. off. Yeah. And the idea here is to be able to turn it on and off when it serves you. When it serves you. When it adapts better to you. Yeah. Your needs. So the thing with vulnerability, like with many things that depend on the person's inner thinking structure, I don't know if that's correct, but... It's if, your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can say whatever. If you don't have, I don't know what the technical word for it is, right? But if you don't have difficulty being vulnerable, it's very difficult to understand someone who has difficulty with it, mm -hmm. right? Because it's something that comes so Empathy? naturally. Has it to do with empathy, with your ability to understand what the other person is going through? I don't know because I feel that sometimes if you have if you have no idea what it feels like for you've the never other, experienced you've it. never experienced it. Well, it same sounds thing, crazy, you know. And the same thing happens with if you haven't been modeled it. Yes, yes. How to break this cycle when you've never seen it? Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, yeah. it's difficult to get there. Yes. Um, and it comes naturally for some people and for others it doesn't and like for me some parts of vulnerability are okay but emotional exposure that we talked about it's a tough one and sometimes I see other people being candid about their feelings in a really explicit and vulnerable way and I think Jesus that's kamikaze right and they don't think anything, anything of, it. of it and vulnerability I, I think this is interesting because it's often seen as something admirable and courageous in others and then it's often felt as inadequate in yourself, right? Um, Anna Brooke has some really interesting studies about this. She built on vulnerability by Brene Brown and she they, they continued studying. And um, they said it's because when you are being vulnerable, you're sort of hijacked by your flaw, right? That thing that, that you that you don't like or that you're afraid of, of showing. And you're kind of hijacked by it. And what you perceive to be a flaw could be really different depending on the person, right? Oh, totally. And when it's not yours or when you don't feel activated by it, yeah. you can see the beauty in someone else's flaw yeah, or the humanness. NBC. Yes. Right? She uses the concept of the beautiful mess effect. And I, I think it's it's beautiful. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it can you be see this with movies, for example. Like many stories that are touching and moving. Yes. It's like, 
yeah, I feel that moved. I find that's great, but I don't accept that in me. Of course. Of course. Again, you know, acceptance, like your own acceptance, dude. It's like the key to a happy life. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Go and do it. Go and do it. All right. So, um, so yeah, it can be frustrating for people who don't have challenges with this when they have to deal with people who are more vulnerability impaired, let's say. Right? Part of diversity. <laughs> it's part of, but it is, it's part of diversity. Um, and when you come from a story of abuse or shaming or bullying, maybe other things too, right? Correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. But Lots of abuse. Yes. But you will be more resistant to being vulnerable because you have spent a good part of your life building that armor like a pro. Right? And I you mean, have to thank that armor. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, you have to come to terms with the fact that you have to thank it too, right? Because uh, it was useful at some point. Yeah, sure. And it's not just any armor because you build it like a pro, Yeah, you, right? love, you right love your now, armor. But it's like high tech, you know? It's polished and shiny. And at this point, it's got like AI integrations, right? It's the real deal. So it's not just a question of like, oh, okay, time to take your armor off. It's like, what? No way, right? Like, I don't even know what's under there. Were you kidding me? And sometimes you are too coherent with your armor. So... Let's yeah. I mean. <laughs> You've loved your armor. You're thankful for it. You think that it was only because of your armor that you got there. So it's hard for you to take it out. It's yes. not just that you've invested so much time and so much tech there. It's just that for you, it's hard. Now, it's not about... It's a part of you. You don't even know it's there. Well, that, that is part of the yeah. difficulty, right? And vulnerability is not about oversharing or even sharing with some people. It's about being careful who you share with and in what context. You have to pick who you're vulnerable with. It's not that you go and around throwing in that precious armor that you've built throughout your life. No, you it's take not it about up, that. Yeah. It's taking care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think Brene uh, talks about sharing with people who have earned the trust, exactly. right? Exactly. It's a relationship. Yeah. Um, I get that. And some people are easy to be vulnerable with in that sense, right? But in other cases, it's not. And it's like a, a catch-22 of sorts because you want to be vulnerable or they want you to be vulnerable, mm -hmm. but then they don't honor that space because maybe they haven't learned to, they haven't been modeled it, or they, they don't know. And so you end up opening up and then maybe shamed for it or not being validated, right? Mm -hmm. For me, Even though with the best intentions, they yeah, can do yeah, that yeah, sometimes. yeah. yeah. Uh, and for me, when the other person is not willing or doesn't know how to hold the space for my vulnerability, it's like pushing a button, mm -hmm. you know, like Autobots transform. <laughs> you go from being vulnerable, brave goddess or whatever to like armored warrior again, right? This time with a ball of spikes because it's like it's worse. <laughs> you get new features every time. <laughs> yeah, it's a process. It's part of knowing the other person. It gets messy. It takes two people at least. Mm. It needs to be mutual right, because we be we are susceptible to the hate to the harming effects of shame and isolation. Mm -hmm. Nobody is, uh, nobody can escape that. And feeling inadequate, alone in your doubts, exposed and vulnerable, well, come on, honor the trust. Mm -hmm. Having psychological safe spaces is huge. It implies yeah. a big commitment to the other person. Respect and responsibility of the role you play in this. Yeah. It has to do with a perspective of life. Yeah. There. 
Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. But it's it vulnerability is also a strategy, right? Like like the armor that you said, it's like a bridge or a lifeline that you throw out for connection. And for it to happen, you need the other person on the other side willing to cross, right? At least to be looking at the bridge, you know? <laughs> Sometimes it seems that that is not even happening. So why is this so relevant? Okay. To me, work was the place where you had to have it always right. And that was a lot of pressure, wasn't it? Yeah. So, But what would a psychologically safe work environment look like? Because, okay, with partners, maybe you can understand. But, but what about work? What do we need to foster in order to get people to be vulnerable? To me, creating work environments where you can relate to other humans on a human scale yeah. is key. Generating human scale community. Sometimes that is a group of 10 yeah. or less. Yeah. And like and that is Brenna Brown really hit the nail with the concept of daring leadership. Mm -hmm. Leadership, true leadership happens when you do that. It's not the mass leadership, yeah. you know? The world of work has been a territory of violence, years and years of power of some over others, mm -hmm. ones defending from the others. But it can be different. It mm -hmm. can be more like a community. And more like a community. But many times you want to have these environments on paper, but then we miss the small parts that actually allow the armors to be taken off, right? Leadership roles have to learn how to not only be vulnerable themselves, but also we have to learn how to hold that space for vulnerability, which is really difficult and because and you, you don't always accept other like it makes me uncomfortable to express my own feelings like it makes me uncomfortable when other people are expressing their own feelings yeah. too right when like, they sob it's like mm, mm -hmm. because it affects you right like to a certain point so um but it's beautiful of Sorry. course it is yes but it takes courage to do it yes both things take courage without passing judgment right holding the space without passing judgment without trying to fix it just, without trying to fix it yeah yeah just holding the space without trying to fix it. Mm. Then there will be other moments to fix it. Yeah. But there, there's a moment where you need to let that happen. Yeah, just making room for it. Mm -hmm. I, I read somewhere that when you cannot ask or accept help without passing judgment on yourself, then you're not giving help or offering help without judgment, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that this it's the same for yes, vulnerability. pretty much. So think about this now, right? What happens when you flinch in uncertainty? What happens when you show up authentically? Well, what happens when you make a mistake or when you don't know what to do in a situation and need help? What do you think about yourself when these things happen, right? Do you judge yourself when these things happen? And if you do, then that's what you're really doing with others, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you want to have vulnerability, it's not a question of intention. It's like a software that's running, mm -hmm. you know? Like you may want to be different but you may want to rethink that software yeah yeah and it just goes to show right that as always you have to put the work in for yourself for self-leadership so that you can be there for for others and a lot of times we may think that we are fostering a more vulnerable mindset at work but we aren't sure so here are some questions you might want to ask yourself to see if people are willing to make themselves vulnerable to you okay to see if people are willing so if you're opening up this space if you're really creating this safe space you think you are okay so if you are then think at work or at home are people pushing back and opposing your views respectfully right yeah. but are they or are they just doing what you say hmm. are they innovating and thriving creatively 
Are they taking risks? Are they being candid about their mistakes or are they walking on eggshells? Right. And if those, if, if they're not, then it's possible that you're not fostering. Even if you want to, because this is the, 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 the Yeah, the but thing, many right? times we get on this coaching mode and we start talking and we say safe space and all the right words. Yeah, mental health, hashtag, right? Yes, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag. So checking to see how your vulnerability shows up and then taking action, right? Yeah. Uh, now taking action... You know, I, I was thinking about what hacks to give, but at one point, there's no more reading, right? There's no more list of things that you have to do and check and store in your brain. I know I do that screenshots of things that I have to do, right? But at some point, dude, you just have to take action. And if you're having trouble being vulnerable, just think about the alternative, right? If you're not being vulnerable, you're missing out on a huge part of life, right? What is the alternative? Is that really all we want? The numbness, the hiding, the overcompensating? Yeah. Carrying the load of your our armor is exhausting. It's exhausting. Today you talked about being light. I could feel like, oh, it would be, yes. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. So just do it. That is the, the hack. <laughs> just go for it, right? Don't overthink it. If you get the feeling like it would be the moment to be more vulnerable, right? Because sometimes you think, okay, I could do it. I, I can do it now. And then you're like, oh, no. <laughs> there won't be a perfect moment. No. It won't be right no. perfectly. No. no. It won't be messy. Yes. And you just, at, at some point, you have to, like with all things that you want to change in your own behaviors, at some point, you have to force yourself to just blurt out the thing. And see what happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's nobody coming to save you, right? They can help you, but the final move is yours. And you know what? We can do it. We can do hard things. It's not easy and it takes courage. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Revolutions are exhausting. And this is my friend, uh, Revolution. <laughs> and that being said, I think it's a wrap. Thank you so much, Vera, and thank you guys on the other side. Bye! Thanks for sticking around till the end so we can give you our CTA. If you like this episode, share it with someone who could use it. And remember to follow us on social media. We are the Everything Else Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and you can follow us on LinkedIn. We are Vera Babat and Mercedes Remedi. A big shout out to our sponsors, Learning and Abstracta, our sound producers at Uicast, and our producer, Natalie Rogers. 